Welcome to How I Work, a show about the tactics used by leading innovators to get so much out of their day. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imba. I'm an organizational psychologist, the founder of innovation consultancy Inventium, and I'm obsessed with finding ways to optimize my workday. This episode is another My Favorite Tip episode. The title's probably pretty self-explanatory. It's about my favorite tip from each of the interviews I conduct. So my guest today is Marcus Buckingham. Marcus is the author of a stack of best-selling books, including First Break All the Rules, Now Discover Your Strengths, The One Thing You Need to Know, and Stand Out, to name a few. His latest book, Nine Lies About Work, A Free-Thinking Leader's Guide to the Real World, published by Harvard Business Publishing, takes an in-depth look at the lies that pervade our workplaces and the core truths that will help us change it for the better. Marcus has appeared on Larry King Live, The Today Show, and The Oprah Winfrey Show, and now leads people and performance research at the ADP Research Institute and remains CEO of the Marcus Buckingham Company. In this extract of our chat, Marcus explains why work-life balance is a really unhelpful concept and how he thinks about things instead. We've got really significant data that shows do what you love is, is really not terribly helpful advice. Find love in what you do is actually really helpful advice. Um, we know from significant Mayo Clinic data that if you have, if you're a doctor and you've got less than twenty percent of your activities in work are things that you love, with each percentage point below twenty percent, there's a commensurate one percentage point increase in burnout risk. So we actually know causally that there's a really strong negative relationship between um, doing things that you love and burnout. If you do less and less and less activities that you love, your burnout risk goes up and up and up and up and up. Um, now, funnily enough, beyond 20%, you don't see a commensurate decrease in burnout risk. So if you're 25%, 35%, 40%, half of the activities on your job are things that you love, you don't get a commensurate in increase in resilience and decrease in burnout. So it almost seems as though a little love goes a long way. We don't need to fill our entire week with activities that we love. But if we get below 20%, we've got a problem. So 20%, I called them in Chapter 8 of the book, Red Threads. Everybody's work life has got these different threads, some black, some gray, some white, whatever. Lots of different activities, lots of different situations and contexts and people. But some of those contexts and situations and people have a different um, valence and different emotional valence to them. They're made of different material. They lift you up. They invigorate you. You lean into them. Time goes by faster while you're doing them. Before you do them, you look forward to them. When you're done with them, you kind of want to do them again. And everyone's weirdly different. Nobody's, we call them red threads. Everyone's got red threads, activities or situations or people that they find that uh, actually invigorate, bring strength into you. And everyone's is different. Not a function of gender. It's not a function of race. Certainly not a function of age. Um, every one of us, just because of our own idiosyncrasy, are drawn to certain things and repelled by others. And life, what's so beautiful about life is that life does have so many multitudes of different activities and situations and actions and people. Um, it, it's almost it's set up to invigorate us if we bothered to really pay attention to the particular activities that we really love. And so when you think about work-life balance, the problem initially there, of course, and it's not really – it's not something to believe in or not believe in. We simply have to look at the real world. The categories of work-life balance are wrong. There is no work. 
There is no life on other side, on the other end of the scale. Work is part of life, just like family is part of life, community is part of life. There's life. There's not work and life. There's life, and it's not like life is good and work is bad, and you have to balance out the bad of the work with the good of the life. That's just that's false categories. What we have is life, and in life, whether it's work or family or community or whatever, there are a lot of different aspects. Actions, context, people, and some of them we lean into, and some of them we are repelled by. Whether it's being a mother, whether it's being a friend, everybody gets a different kick out of different aspects of being a mother or being a friend, being a worker. And so the categories we should really look at aren't work and life and balancing them. It should be love and loathe, and deliberately imbalancing. We should strive in life as desperately as we can for imbalance. We should be desperately always imbalancing our life toward more activities that we love that invigorate us and away from those we loathe. And so for me, one of the rituals that I have, we do this again, we actually have technology tools and apps and so on to help us do this, but we do something called love it, loathe it. Every week when I do that check-in that I was talking about, where we talk about, well, what are the, you know, what are my priorities for this week and, and whose help do I need? The other two questions we ask us, and this sort of prompts us to ask, the technology prompts us to ask this of ourselves. Which activities did you love and which did you loathe? Every week, which you love, which you loathe, which you love, which you loathe, which you love, which you loathe, 52 weeks a year. Just so that it puts everybody in the driving seat, myself certainly in the driving seat, for being responsible for how much love do I put into a week? Um, so for me, that's super helpful. I love finding patterns in data. I love trying to make sense of something and putting it into a presentation or putting it into a, a book. I love time spent really noodling. I love being by myself. I love being put under pressure to have a chance to share something. I loathe, and there's a whole bunch of loads. And I don't have to have, as I said with the Mayo Clinic data, I don't have to have 80% of my week filled with loves. But if I, boy, if I get below 20, and some weeks I've had below 20. And, and what do you do? Like, what do you do in those weeks? Like when you've got your loathe list, do you, how do you decide what to delegate and what to just suck up and I guess what to just stop doing? Well, there's some strategies that you can use that I can use. One of the strategies for the things that you loathe is stop doing it and see if anyone cares. I mean, it's <laughs> good just, just stop it. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we do that we think we should do, and you stop doing it. No one notices. You know, for me, I am um, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm building business, but I uh, I don't like asking people for the clothes. I don't like it. I do. and what I figured out is if I stop asking people for the clothes, people still buy things. They just persuade themselves. It doesn't. If I don't need to get better at closing, I actually need to get better at doing things that make people want to close themselves. <laughs> um, you can actually think of the acronym STOP is pretty useful. The T, the S is stop doing it. See if anyone cares. T stands for team up with people. Well, there's, I hate, I don't like confrontation, but there's other people on my team that do. I don't like problems. There's other people on my team that do. There's a bunch of activities that I love. Some of the things I loathe, I'm going to have to do, but there's some of the things I loathe that other people love. And that's kind of, that's, that's cool. I mean, then the O you can think about as offer up one of your strengths and it might mitigate the thing that you loathe. So 
I don't like mingling. I hate mingling. I hate the pressure of it. Um, but I love interviewing. I love interviewing people. I love asking questions and shutting up. So if I have to go to a couple of parties or meet and greets, and I have to do a fair bit of that in my job, I just deliberately change my view of it from mingling, which I hate, to interviewing. And I'll just pick, if there's 20 people there, I'll pick three of them. I'll pick them out almost before I go in, I'll pick them out. And I'll deliberately interview them. Take 20 minutes, talk to that person. 20 minutes, talk to that person. 20 minutes, talk to that person. And then leave. And so I've, I've sort of used a strength to mitigate a weakness. Um, and then lastly, the P stands, but can you change your perspective on something? Can you change your point of view on it so that it doesn't, and this is more mind games, but, but if you, oh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've run a business a while, so sometimes you have to fire people. If you have to do that in the course of the week and you know you're going to have to do it with a couple of people because folks are complicated and sometimes you move them into a job that they shouldn't have and so on and that happens and oh, it's horrible. Rather than steaming myself up about it, can I change my perspective on it to see that actually having someone stay in a job that is not right for them every single day and they know it and you know it, that's not caring. So can I change that conversation to think about moving this person out of the job as actually genuinely authentically a caring thing to do for the person. So for any of your listeners that are struggling with things that they loathe but have to do, that acronym uh, STOP is actually kind of a useful way of thinking about it. Hello again. I really love Marcus's take on the topic of work-life balance and how to instead think about finding love in what you do. I've definitely taken on board his advice about using a strength to mitigate doing something that I loathe as I could definitely relate to what he said about networking because I hate networking. But like Marcus, I love interviewing. So now when I'm at an event and feeling nervous, I just imagine myself as a detective trying to uncover interesting things about the person that I'm chatting to. So I find that this approach dramatically reduced my nerves and actually made me enjoy the events that I'm at far more than, um, than I expect to. So that is it for today. If you like this excerpt, you might want to listen to my full chat with Marcus, which I link to in the show notes. And if you're enjoying how I work, why not tell other people about it? So word of mouth is one of the big ways that this podcast has grown so much. And thank you if you've told other people about it. And if you haven't, maybe think about someone in your own life that you think could benefit from some of the things that I cover on how I work. So that is it for today. And I will see you next time.